Hey, thank you everybody for joining me on another episode of Her Wild Outdoors. And Ryan, off the grid, is joining me today for that conversation. So thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Of course. I kind of want, I've, I usually do an intro right about now, but I kind of want to ask you something and we can come back to that. Uh, you just got back from Africa and so did a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. And I'm wondering, like you had a great time, right? It was. I, Absolutely. I, Africa's just, I mean, I've been to Africa. I've been not on a hunting expedition, but I've been for two weeks in South Africa, all around South Africa, but then on up into Kenya for about a week. And it's an experience that you really, unless you have been, you just, you cannot grasp it, right? I mean, it, it, it sounds lame, but the word that keeps coming to my mind is magical. Yeah. Like it, it, it's childhood dreams. Yeah. No, it's very true. I, I remember coming back and I remember not just the jet lag, but I remember the longing to go back immediately. It, it, it's such an overall experience that mm-hmm. like, you know, seeing the animals, hunting the animals, the culture, that's all cool. But like every time I go, I have a uh, change in myself as a person, yeah. you know, something changes at home or you have time just to, to, to think clearly while enjoying, enjoying this, that it, it, it changes your soul. Yes. I went on a medical trip. So that was back when I worked at the hospital and we took uh, what's over here that expires isn't it doesn't expire over there for a lot longer. And so we're able to take antibiotics and eye drops and things like that. And we were able to do that. And you see a lot of the need when you're over there, but I think it was very important to see the beauty and the joy and just the amazing countries that are over there because otherwise you just see what you're shown on television, third world countries that are just falling apart. Whereas there is so much more to that continent than, than the sadness and the grief and the fighting and the, there is so much beauty and so much family and tradition. And I just, I think that if you have one without the other, you're missing the country completely. I think there's parallels to the U.S. You get away Mm -hmm. from urban areas here. It's a completely different experience, and it's the same thing there. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. I've been to Haiti, and if you cross the border into the Dominican, you know, you can find resorts like crazy over there. But if you step 10 miles one way, you've got the other. And I think that – I think that when you go and you immerse yourself in it for more than just a day or two, you actually get to see – what it's all about. Now, of course, I can never completely empathize with people who live in conditions that they live in that I have seen, but I I 100% believe I left a little bit of myself over there. Um, and I wouldn't mind giving more of myself over there at any point in my life. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I had a girlfriend who got back from over there and she hunted, I'm trying to think, I'd have to go back and look, but she hunted over there. I think she had 
three game animals that she was hunting and that she was able to uh, kill while she was over there. And when she got back, she realized that her photo had been (laughs) shared on many anti-hunting pages uh, along with the negative speech that comes along with it. And I guess I I wonder, because I've talked to women about this, of course, but I haven't really gotten the opportunity to talk to men about this who travel over there and who experience the same thing that she has or even on different levels and what their response, like what they are getting responded to in the same. Oh, that that, that is the story of my social yeah. media public page. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you shoot a whitetail, uh, nobody blinks an eye Mm-mm. and, uh, but it, it, a mountain lion, a bear, a wolf, you know, he, here on North, in North America. But if you shoot a zebra or a giraffe, people lose their minds. Yeah. And, you know, they, they attack men's pages as well, but I think, you know, there, there's a larger response to women's pages because this anti-cancel woke BS, they attack what they perceive as weak targets. They're like, look at this woman, let's beat her up. And it's other women too, it's Uh anti-women. They just gang up and gang up. I mean, you've you've seen it, you see it time and time again, Mm -hmm. where I'm not gonna make PETA's page, and I'm not gonna make the, the large the large Facebook anti pages, but they'll come on my page and attack me and and they ain't ready. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm not going to roll over. I'm not going to lay down. If you insult me, fine. If you insult my family or threaten my family, whole different ball of wax. Right. Oh yeah. But if you come on my page and you're inquisitive and you're, you're respectful, I will give you all the time in the world, but Mm -hmm. I have no, I have no patience for the rest of these people and they get way more than they bargained for. And my followers and friends are awesome. They, yeah. I mean, they, they are right in the fight. You know, we're not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to roll over. You don't get to come on my page, bash me with, with ignorance. If you want to talk, I'm here to talk. Yeah. I'm here to educate. I'm here to teach you, but don't come on my page with, yeah. with that BS. Yeah. I've, I've talked to a couple of different women about it just because it does seem that we as the female side of our community are easier targets. And I think that recently they're starting to notice that that is not necessarily true. Uh, I think that they're still trying, but I think that women in our community are finding their voice in a good way and in a strong way. And I think, like you said, the followers and the the support that we have on the side is is pretty spot on and i appreciate it i know over the past three years since i entered the public social media of hunting i've been hunting longer than that but since i entered it i've been called every name under the book and i know that you have too and so many others have it it actually it happened saturday on somebody else's page all i said was i truly like white tail over some of the other deer species because of how tender it is. And three different pages responded back with the most crass, disgusting things 
that you can hear. And it's like, come on. Were, were those other hunting-related pages? No. No, they were anti-hunting pages that had come on to a post talking about the differences between the deer species in North America. Like, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. Now, do I respond to that? No. They're not looking for a conversation. Like you said, they're not coming on looking to learn or to grow or to hear a different side. They're just there to spark up anger and frustration and show that I will respond in hatred. And I'm like, I'm not even going to respond to you. That's not worth it to me. Those those types of people are going to seek out stuff that they don't like. Yeah. You know, I, I've had people, I've had people, you know, ask me, they're like, why don't you go on, on, on those pages and start fights? And I'm like, cause I, I don't look for stuff I no. don't like. I mean, like there's, there's always the scroll past option and go about your day. Yes. I'm not going to seek out the fight, but th- those types of people are coming. They're they're actively searching and looking for us. I mean, Agreed. that's pathetic. Yeah, it is, and it's again. You go back to, and I think, guy from Western Contours told me one time they don't know you personally at all. So if they're not going to ask a question. If they're not going to have a conversation that is not in attack mode, then it's not worth leaning into because that's not their goal. Their goal isn't to learn or to listen. It's just to do what they do. And those are the people that it's not worth responding to. My mental health is much more important (laughs) than leaning into that or seeking it out. It's just it's not worth it. Mm Mm-mm. But it is interesting. I think that I had a conversation with Olivia Opry last week, and we talked about how valuable a woman's voice is in our community and and how not that it's above a man's voice when we are talking to anti-hunters or, uh, or non-hunters, but it has a different tactic coming into it, right? So I can come in – maybe more accepted to come in and have a conversation because of how I talk or how I, I present myself or just because I'm a woman. And does it mean it's fair? No. But does it mean we have a foot in the door? That's awesome. And I think that the anti-hunting groups are noticing that. I think that the women's voice does have an important stance in our industry and in our community and in the world and I think that they're noticing that and that might be another reason why they're trying to to kind of isolate that one gender and attack it a little bit more I I can see that well I mean look how fast uh, you know the demographic of women is growing in the outdoors Mm -hmm. uh, which is an awesome thing and you know I could be wrong but you know Women may be perceived as, you know, nurturing and, and motherly, I mean, those types of qualities. Mm-hmm. So you, you do have that tone, mm-hmm. um, which if I'm responding to an attack, they're going to look at me and be like, oh, look at this meat-headed, bearded, white male. Yes. <laughs> you know? I'm just I'm just like the rest of the hunters. That's yes. that's their perception. Mm-hmm. But the fact that women and minorities are growing in the in the hunting world, yeah, that, that your voices are huge mm-hmm. because it, it it gives a different 
uh, uh, aspect to it. Yeah. It's not the response of, oh, you're a hunter. It's, whoa, you're a hunter? And it opens the door to not necessarily changing their minds all of a sudden to support hunting or to become a hunter, but it opens their minds to have a conversation and to be inquisitive. And that's, yeah, that's that that foot in. But it's a double-edged sword because... With that opportunity also comes responsibility. And I think that that's where we also see women who aren't doing it well are being used as examples against oh, our fight. <laughs> we, we can open up that oh, can of <laughs> But we both agree on it. It's, it's, it is a huge well, responsibility. Regardless, regardless if you know you're male or female, and mm-hmm. you're a hunter, uh, I say it all the time. When when somebody does open up the channel for conversation that doesn't understand, we have a moral obligation to give that person all the time we can. Yes, they don't have to be. They don't have to go out and buy a a a, 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 a gun or a bow and start Mm-mm. hunting. But if they're on the fence and they're willing to be pragmatic and logical and listen, mm-hmm. they're no longer against us. Right. And, and that's huge. Yeah. Is fighting the middle ground. You're never going to change the extremists. I mean, they're they're literally clinically insane. <laughs> and it, it is it is taking it one conversation at a time. You don't have to win them over in one conversation. Just have that that one piece of communication where you find commonality. And I think that that's where that door goes from being a crack to being a little bit more open. And you just create relationship. And I think that that's what communication is all about anyways. Take it completely across all spectrums of the world, whether you are in business or you are in the sporting world or if you are in hunting, whatever you are doing, communication is key. It makes or breaks you. So it's how we communicate. It's how we present ourselves. It's how you take your responsibility and and go with it so i if you are if you have one follower you are responsible you are morally obligated like you said to to do it well and and you are held responsible for the things that you don't do well mm-hmm. yeah 100%. well let's i'm gonna skip back <laughs> tell us okay. tell us just a little bit about yourself i really want to know how these are my two top questions. I really want to know how the outdoors came into your life. But I think with all of us, when did it go from just being something you did to something that you became passionate about? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, growing up, I grew up in Door County, Wisconsin, which is like salmon capital of the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and probably the you know, top five smallmouth fishery in in the world, musky, uh, northern. Everybody I grew up with, you know, deer hunted, which was more of a family thing mm-hmm. uh, than than you know going out and just hunting for pure passion, uh, more of a family and tradition thing. But my dad didn't hunt. Um, really? My no. Um, and my mom's family, uh, a, a little bit, but I mean, it, it, nothing crazy. I mean, below average. Yeah. Um, 
And, but I mean, the, my peers uh, all did. So, I mean, I, I, I took an interest to it, you know, about 13, 14, and it was literally just the boys getting together with, you know, it, it, as much leash as our parents would give us to go <laughs> kind of be on our own. Yeah. Uh, and shooting squirrels, shooting raccoons, rabbits, uh, maybe, you know, pheasants, game farm, but it was nothing like crazy. Um, you know, like I said, my dad didn't hunt, but he, he would, he still actively participated in, in mine and my brother's uh, interest in it. And, and we, we started a deer camp. And, and that was basically it. It wasn't anything wild. Um, it, it wasn't, it didn't take over my life and become my lifestyle until much later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I joined the Marine Corps right out of high school and spent uh, the year 2000 through 2006 in, in the Marine Corps, uh, deployed to Iraq, came home, went to college, and still really wasn't like big in my life we'd still do family deer camp maybe go duck hunting once or once or twice a year i mean that was it yeah um and it wasn't until uh 2011 so i mean 10 plus years out of high school um and 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 post combat and, and and started my you know nine to five white picket fence life that <laughs> uh, I, I kind of felt uh, pigeonholed into mm-hmm. um, I, I lost both my parents that year uh, wow. uh, to cancer two months apart and, and everything fell apart I mean I was deep in the bottle and hated my job uh, was in a, a rather bad marriage which you know a lot of the blame was on me for that. I, I just was in a, it. I was spiraling out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so m- my dad had passed in August of 2011, and in October of 2011, uh, a Marine that I served with was working for an organization called Semper Fi Fund, uh, and he was also the uh, Wounded Warrior Coordinator which is not the organization it's a it's a active duty position where he was tasked with when guys get seriously injured or are mentally incapable of 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 serving they they temporarily put them on a disabled list and they send them home and his job was to like get these guys out get them connected and send them on events you know not necessarily a hunting event uh, but this this duck hunt had crossed his his radar, and he's like, "Oh my god, I got you know, I got to get Ryan on this." And I showed up to that event, and you know, I I had duck hunted, but I wasn't a duck hunter. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there was six vets, and but just the fact that these people were putting this event on, and where it landed in the timeline, mm-hmm. I needed that so badly that it like that event is literally the, the fulcrum and changing my entire life i mm-hmm. mean and I, I, I get chills just talking about it um the, the the people that put that on uh chuck dodge and ryan boy uh were two buddies that d- decided to do this hunt and uh ryan boy's wife carrie is kind of was kind of like the administrator of it um they became like 
you know, fill in parents for me. And mm-hmm. we're not even that far a difference in age, but you know, they, they, had, they saw where I was mm-hmm. and they had seen what this, this hunt did for me. And, you know, I can't thank them enough for, for not just the hunt, but you know, what they've been like as, as people to me. Um, and I, I, I sat down with them at the end of this hunt and I said, look, you know, like, this is so cool. How many guys do you want next year? Yeah. And they said, well, we can handle about 15 or 20. I brought them 20. The <laughs> next year I said, how many guys can you handle? 35, 35. So, you know, here we are in 2021, uh, the last four years, we've taken 85 guys out over the course of a weekend. Wow. Um, fully guided, uh, fully, uh, you know, food, lodging, guiding, everything is all taken care of. It, it is it is an amazing event that I'm so proud to be part of, part, proud to have grown it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that event itself not only put me back into the outdoors, maybe saved my life mm-hmm. and propelled me into uh, not just a, a duck, a guy that went duck hunting, but a, a full-blown waterfowler. Mm-hmm. It, it, it made me quit my job and pursue this. And, you know, here I am now setting up the same type of events all over the country and the world. And it, it's, it, that story is going to be told this year. Uh, Savage is going to come in with their, uh, media team yeah, and, and my story and I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it, it, it helps other vets know that like there's a way back into normalcy as normal as you could be. No, I agree. I mean, I've talked to female vets who have come back and uh, even more recently as this spring, I had a conversation with a woman who said, you know, this, it wasn't necessarily that she was losing her life being back as a civilian, but it was that she was missing her family. Oh, the camaraderie in the yeah. is, is 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 huge. Uh-huh. It's not just not just vets being together. Uh, I think the people that volunteer, whether they're the guides or you know just the, the people that are cooking or or you know behind the scenes, I don't think they realize until they participate in this how much they become part of the event. They become part of the camaraderie. Yes, and it's so cool to see you know on, on Facebook four years later a guy that I put in a book, uh, uh, you know. Um, a vet that I put in a boat with a guide, they're still jaw jacking and, and, and they're still friends. And, yeah. and that is so, that part, I mean, duck hunting really kind of fits that build. You know, there's a lot of uh, joking and laughing and you don't have to be as, you know, noise disciplined until the birds start flying. And, right. and so that it, it really kind of fits. I do more waterfall hunts for vets than anything else because you can do it as a group and, and it, it kind of brings back that squad team you know, platoon type feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I, let's see, not this year, but the year before was my first time ever waterfowl hunting. And before that, it was just solo deer hunting. That's all I did. And so stepping out from being by myself, I never hunted with anybody until I took my kids. That step out into this whole new social type of hunting it fed a different part of me. I still love deer hunting. I love being by myself. I love solo hunting so much. It 
It allows me to be still and quiet. But sometimes there are days that that actually hurts. And Mm -hmm. uh, finding another avenue that still that I love hunting, but finding another avenue that allows me to be with other people, whether they're men or women, to be able to learn from them and grow from them, but also just talk. And it sets the stage to be able to have those conversations. It can start out as joking, but it can kind of lead into other conversations and then end with a hug and a relationship that you've built. And that happens for men and women. And it doesn't matter if you are a vet or a civilian, it matters where you're coming from. It matters for what you need. And I think that, like you said, it does. It just fits that need. I mean, I, I had a guy, I think last year was his fourth year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the cool thing is about 50% of the guys that come, and, and we have women uh, veterans come too, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, 50% that come are, are, are new and, and 50% are returned. Some guys will miss a year, then come back two years. And um, it, But this this marine came up to me and he's like you know i've been coming here four years and i've never shot a duck and i was like what he's like i shot at ducks you know (laughs) because i've never i've never killed a duck and i was like well how how does that make you feel he goes i don't care he goes this event is way more than that yeah he's like i'm just happy to be out here Mm -hmm. it 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 feeds more than just that it and let's be honest, it shows that hunters aren't just out there to kill something. It isn't all about that. Yes, that is an added benefit that you are able to put something on the table or to have that that success of what you've been working for. But it isn't all about that. It's about the whole process. And I don't know. It's just important. I think that... I've taken a couple of groups now on a snow goose conservation hunt. This is this will be the third year that I'm going and with a con- with snow goose if you are signing up for that, you can shoot as many as you can. That's the goal. We're trying to um help out farmers we're trying to help out the tundra up in canada and the arctic Circle. like we are trying our best to manage these birds and so to take a group of whether they have hunted or not on a snow goose conservation hunt yes it is great because it's great learning they're big bodied they come in kind of slow um and you can shoot as much as you can so it's a great learning opportunity but I've had so many people walk away who have never hunted in a group before and they say, oh my goodness, I could have not gotten a goose all day and this would have been the best hunt. And that's when you know it did what it was supposed to do. I mean, snow goose hunting. <laughs> you had, I mean, we've had it before where a big wad gets up from mm-hmm. a feed mm-hmm. and circles and circles and and the guide is playing that game like all right do we cut them now or are they going to do one more you know right. like they're going to they're gonna give it up and but you know they're if they're borderline tornadoing over the top of you and something pulls them off and it's still awesome it like, is that was so cool. <laughs> it really is last year i was on one weekend and 
we had a couple come in, but it was mainly that like we would have just what we were talking about. They're circling down and circling down and then they just spook off. And it was fine. We got a couple birds that weekend. It was awesome. The next weekend I went, not one snow goose came over us all day. <laughs> no. we some There was some airplane guy that was flying over the, us that really stunk. And there's a little bit of frustration. But even after all of that, all of the girls that were with me that day said, we'll come back next year. <laughs> and but we that, didn't that, even that, see anything. I, I think that opens up a, a insight to another problem we have with with social media and hunting. You know, if I go down, I, I go down to Arkansas every February. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always say I'm going to take the year off because you know I'm done with the grind at the end of January. Yeah, after August through <laughs> end of January, yes. gone. You yes. know, two weeks a month, and somehow I can't stay away. Mm-hmm. And you know, I go down in February, but you know. Everyone that has never done it before thinks that there's just going to be, oh, we're going to kill 500 birds and it's going to be chaos. And you might have a two bird or a no bird or a 10 bird day. Yeah. And you'll get guys that are like, well, this isn't, you know, what, what it was supposed to be. Like, dude, you're you're doing this for the wrong reason. Exactly. Man. Yeah. The expectations are set so high. People don't realize that, like, it's still hunting. Yeah. And you should hunt because you love to hunt and understand that there's <laughs> there's going to be those days <laughs> and they're still worth it we got to see a beautiful sunrise and we got to see a beautiful sunset and we got to joke around and we got to sit in mud in a rice field that stunk so bad but it was it was such a great day and i think that i think that that is a conversation that we have with people when we're inviting them or that they want to go. You know, this here here are the expectations. The expectations are you might get nothing. Do you still want to go? And I think that that's kind of how I vet it just a little bit on letting people come because this event isn't like a Like, I'm not out there going, hey, you want to come? Hey, you want to be a part of this? Hey, let's all get together and take pictures and do. It's not about that. It's about. We're we're not there to win the Max Grow Wings competition. No, (laughs) we are there to learn how, you know, what is, where are you supposed to be shooting and where are you not? How are you being respectful of hunters that are laying feet from you? How are you being respectful of the farmers whose uh, fields you are allowed to use? There, There's so much more to it. There's, I don't know, there's just so many lessons that come from it. But there's also, like you were saying, that sense of community that we're building, that that sense of uh, relationship that goes beyond that field into years of a friendship. And I mean, take it back to how you, how it impacted you. That's the power that it has. It has the power to hurt as well. So I think that there's a huge responsibility in that, that I take seriously. And I think a lot of people do. And I respect those people tremendously. Um, and I think that that group that you went with, you walked away changed. And that's amazing. 
I'm glad. 100%. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, I do kind of want to switch us just a little bit, and we have talked a little bit about it, but um, I would like to ask you, as a man, but also as somebody who has been in this community for a while, how have you seen the the women's role in our community change over the past couple of years? Well, I mean, I, I think we first need to just address the elephant in the room that, you know, we it kind of alluded to is is the ones that are not. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm the moral authority and what I say is correct. Mm-hmm. But when you're a certain someone hunting a wildebeest in a bikini in Africa, and I, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. I do. About. Uh-huh. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, what does that accomplish? Many, exactly. Yeah. Um, a, a, as the father of of two stepdaughters, one mm-hmm. who has started hunting, you know, how can I have her look at that and and have take anything away from that besides the fact that like that is literally trashing the traditions and the and the reasons why we do this you're looking for life you're looking for attention yes and there are plenty of women that are beautiful uh, that are classy Mm -hmm. and that are doing the work that are are out there and they're not getting the attention Mm -hmm. that they should and that's on the men. That's on the men clicking like. That's mm. on the men. But at the same time, most of those guys aren't even hunters. They aren't. <laughs> so, if you look through it, they're not. It's it's yeah. So, yeah. Um, what I what I have seen change is that people with, with men with large followings and uh, you know that have some pull are publicly against all this stuff to the point where like it's swaying other people i'll mm-hmm. say to people i'm like why do you even follow her that's yeah. you know like that's trash and they're like well give me some good ones to follow i, I can think of 10 off the top of my head just bam 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 yeah. you know of, of, of women that are out there doing the work that have earned their position and you don't have to have a ton of experience or or you know be have a huge following to have earned your position you, mm-hmm. you can be new uh you've earned your place by by the efforts you put in uh by your willingness to learn and by your willingness to present hunting for what it should be mm-hmm. and, and put it in the most positive light yeah having a, a teenage daughter myself who is hunting i have actually talked to other women as well who when they were growing up in and they were wanting to hunt. They were trying to look for people, for role models. And they kept seeing on magazines and they kept seeing on advertisements and they kept going, but I don't look like her and I don't act like her and I don't wear things like her and I don't have, like how how do you change that viewpoint? And what some of the women have said to me is by being me by being me and by and by not being afraid to put myself out there because that's the biggest thing is what scrutiny are you going to come under what what are those conversations going to be like when you have people being mean and cruel and I'm like you just have to have thick skin but I point my daughter in the direction of real hunters 
not the people who are out there trying to get paid to do it. Not, and and I don't mean paid in a good way. In in a in a way of showing skin. You know what I mean. Yes. It it. I want my daughter to see good examples. I want her to see examples of real women who are just like the real men out there who have nine to fives and still love hunting and it's still a part of their lives and they learn how to infiltrate it throughout their year. And I want her to see the women who are doing it well and have made it something that is a day job. That's awesome. I'm excited for them as long as they do it well. And uh, it's, it's, we get called down all the time. Don't be divisive. Don't be divisive. Don't be divisive within our own community. Don't be divisive. Well, I have to say that my moral ground <laughs> has me supporting hunters that do it well, that do it right, who do it lawfully, and who aren't just out there doing things that pull back, like you said, the tradition. And those are the people that I'm going to support. And I I cannot support people who do it badly, who do it wrong and illegally. That's just, they're not hunters, they're poachers. The, the, the trash will always see itself out eventually. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, like, be you, mm-hmm. be strong in your convic- convictions and, and, you know, do it the way that you know to be right yeah. and, and, and um you know that that movement is growing and it, it, i'm so happy to see that i'm so happy to see you know when certain uh high level companies whether it's gear or you know apparel or whatever that but it's hunting related start latching on to the ones that we know are are uh, for lack of a better term, fraudulent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing people lash out and be like, you know, look, so company X, your gear is great, but like, I'm not going to buy your stuff anymore mm-hmm. because yeah. this is the person you're attaching yourself to. Yeah. I think that we're noticing a desire for authenticity more so now than we have in the past. I think we are we are calling it what it is and <laughs> we're showing I'm, I'm laughing, I'm laughing cause I, I just remembered a comment on a certain I, i'm not i'm not going to name the company or or the person that <laughs> okay. attached himself to but somebody wrote she's killed more cell phone batteries than deer <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true though it's true though and i think that i think some companies are starting to hear that demand. I think that there are enough women and men out there who want real, not models posing. We we want somebody that we can relate to, not somebody that is not realistic. Um, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with being attractive. There's no. nothing wrong with it, 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 there's nothing wrong with capitalizing on you, you know your appearance or your look it just don't be a one-trick pony right right and don't and do it for the right reasons there's <laughs> there's nothing wrong with making money in this industry in fact our industry has a whole lot of money to make uh it's how you do it <laughs> completely it comes down to how you do it and why you're doing it and so you don't have an only fans <laughs> <laughs> 
No. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> no, you will not find pictures of me in bikinis out there. I'm a 41-year-old woman who has a daughter who's looking at all of my stuff. I, no. I was just kidding. Yeah. It's not worth that to me. That's no. I would rather shut down all of my social media and get back to just loving it, which I do. I still love it. But if it ever got to a point to that point, oh no, uh uh-uh. uh. I'd need somebody to check me hard and say, uh uh-uh. uh. That's <laughs> like I'm calling all of you out there. If it ever got there, which I doubt it ever will, but call call it out for what it is. I we all need checks and balances, right? We always need people on our side who are gonna say, Hey, why'd you post that? Not necessarily saying it was wrong. But checking our reasons for doing it. Are you just posting to post? Are you just posting for those likes? Or are you posting because it was something cool that happened that you want to share? And that's or, where or even, you're a storyteller. Even some of the, you know, when you when you post a kill picture, clean the animal up. Yes. Yes. You, you know, like you understand blood. I understand blood. We understand, you know, like I, I always say, you know, the kill is the least enjoy the actual act of killing the animals the least enjoyable part of the hunt it's the culmination of the hunt it is what puts meat on the table it's the pursuit attracts me but if you're going to put out a picture to honor the animal clean the animal up right Uh, don't don't give anything to those that are already against us Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like it's almost watering down but for for a reason of of not allowing the antis to to use right. that against us. Yeah, does that make sense? It does, a hundred percent. It's it's uh, we have talked about it on here before. We've said, you know, our community, our world is evolving. It evolves because we have more access to it. So more people have access to seeing things, whereas before in our hunting community. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, you'd have those grip and grin pictures, but they were printed out, whether they were on Polaroids or with a 35 millimeter camera, and you had it in your home. You had it. It was on the the bulletin board at the gas station. Yes, it was. It's a place. Those pictures were surrounded by people who understood that community. And now... Those photographs and those videos are for the whole world to see. And so you have to evolve how you present it. It's not that you're dumbing it down or watering it down. It's that you are thinking ahead to the whole world seeing it. If one person doesn't like it and they repost it and it's reposted and reposted and reposted in a negative light... Whether you meant for just your community to see it or the whole world to see it, now the whole world did see it. As soon as you hit post, it's out there. It is out there. You can't take it back. We've I've talked about that with both of my kids. Once it leaves you, the world has access to it. And how will they use it? That's what you have to think about when you when you share the pictures. It doesn't mean that you can't take a picture. It's just in how you share it. I was laughing. I laughed at some anti. They're like, oh, you know, like this is just glorifying death and killing. And I just shared a picture of a a cave painting. (laughs) I'm like the first Instagram. You know, we've been doing this. It's it's to honor the hunt. Yeah. It's to honor that animal. It's to honor that memory. Mm -hmm. And and, and same thing as taxidermy. Yes. 
yeah, yeah it's it, it's a decoration but when every single animal when, when I, somebody new comes over to the house and i walk around the house it takes way more than just looking at it because i'm telling a story about every single hunt mm-hmm. and it, it's awesome because yeah. i remember that hunt every time i look at them my son still does that people walked in this weekend we had someone visit this weekend who had never been in our home before and my son took him directly over to the wall where we have our favorites like it's our it's I, I hate to call it a trophy wall but it is a story wall it is our 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 story wall and he took he took him right over to the wall and we've got antlers we've got you know 10 point we've got eight points we've got a doe because my daughter's first deer was a doe and we have that euroed on the wall and he took him straight over to his button buck that was his first deer and he said that's mine and he he told the story of it and that's what it's about i think that we forget sometimes that the story is how we pass on tradition and the story is how um is how history gets passed on and i want you know the generations that come behind me to hear about you know, nobody hunted in my family before me. So how did it get started? Uh, how did I pass that legacy on that started with me? And and that's what it's all about. It's It's about sitting around the dinner table and eating what you have taken throughout the year and being able to look across the room and see that story unfold right in front of us. And it just, it connects it all and it connects us. I, I love that. I'm going to start calling, well, I have an Africa room and it's going to be called my story room. It's your story room. And that's that's <laughs> what we are. Whether, whether you are a, a hunter that hunts all year long or you are somebody who just goes out once or twice a year. That's your story. That uh, the Africa room is a den that offshoots off the living room. And I've got uh, a, a pith helmet and monocles and pipes in there. And that's where we go to talk when, when people come over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to wear the monocle for at least the first 20 minutes and, and, and at least humor me. Yes. But it is. It's where you connect. It's where you... Uh, if that's who you are, then that's how you have conversations with people. It's it, it's all relational. We all strive for a relationship. We're built for a relationship. And and if um, I don't know, I never knew another woman that hunted until I got on social media. Ever did not know one woman who hunted. And my world has opened up. And I've learned so much from other women because of the stories that they tell. And you can do that through video. You can do that through photography. You can do that through podcasting. Or you can do that by just going on hunts with other people and sitting around talking with them. And that's ah, that's my favorite part. I love it. What do you do day job wise that allows this passion to continue to grow? This is it. I do all the photography, videography, uh, booking. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, one-stop media shop. You know, if I go with an outfitter and film something and, and, uh, you know, document it it, while I'm there, I'm growing their pages, um, kind of a social media guru. Um, 
and you know my followers hit me up when they're interested in a hunt and they book through me. So it, it, it's perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah. How did you get the off the grid part of your, your name? Um, so, you know, back to that, that, that veterans duck hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, when I left there that year, um, there was something about waterfall that just, you know, like struck a chord with me, you know, and, and now I'm, five birds away from finishing the North American Grand Slam. I, I'm going to be hunting birds internationally. Um, I've gone all over the place. Um, it, ducks and duck hunting attracted me so much that that following spring, I picked up a camera and as the reverse migration was going on, you know, the, the you know, as the birds are migrating south, it's weather-based. When they're migrating north, it's breeding-based. So right. all, all the ducks are concentrated and you get species that sometimes don't usually end up on your flyway but all the all the drakes are all plumed out i just went out and started taking photographs of, of ducks because i was like I'm, it was i was ready for fall and it, mm-hmm. you know it's april and posted them on facebook and you know like i had just this crappy casio point and shoot and yes. people were like <laughs> um you know you need you've got the eye you need to consider looking into doing this bought bought all the equipment and i think by august i had quit my job (laughs) and was really broke for a really long time (laughs) but you know i I did photos for a year did a lot of wildlife photography hadn't really incorporated the two together yet and then uh a friend of mine from social media we we knew each other from facebook that was it uh, Pat Cummings, he's out of out of Michigan. He, he he guides uh snow geese in Arkansas as well. But Pat hit me up and he's like, "Hey, I'm going down to Texas to uh hunt Rio Grande turkeys. I just got picked up by Pursuit Channel. You're he's like, "I know you know how to kill and hunt and your pictures are awesome. Can you film?" And I was like, "Never tried it before, but like I'm free. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. And, and the rest is history. And <laughs> they just evolved from there. So, I mean, that, that, but that, to answer your original question, I mean, the off the grid um, is what I originally named my, my photography company. It was off the grid photography. And it, it, it's kind of an oxymoron, you know, like it, it, you're, you're using social media completely on the grid but a lot of the stuff that when you're out there filming and photographing and hunting you're 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 off the grid you're you're yeah. as far away as possible so it's taking people to that and then uh as my hunting profile which was separate from my photography one grew i just kind of combined the two together and and that's how we get ryan off the grid I love it. I love that. I love hearing when people take the things that they're passionate about and they make them their real life, not just their, you know, having their nine to five job and then they've got this other passion on the side. But when you combine the two and you make it to where you get to do what you love and and be able to get paid to do that and mm-hmm. I, it it makes for a great life. 
it might not always be easy, but it no. makes for a great life. <laughs> you can ask my wife. She picks up the absolute <laughs> slack. I'm gone a lot. And I don't know if she hates me or loves me, but she's still here. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate her. And and I think that... You just walked in. We're talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> I do though it's it, it's something that you have to be you have to take that leap of faith into that you know it's going to be hard it might be really hard in the beginning but it's going to be worth it and the lives that you impact along the way it's icing on the cake so I'm glad I, you're still I, doing it I it, it's kind of you know, just being in Africa or, 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 you know, in the Bering Sea or, or Arkansas, what, wherever, mm-hmm. and like when you're, you're out there doing it and you just, every once in a while, got to take a breath and be like, I get to do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is pretty awesome. I had not. <laughs> Especially on a crappy day where like the hunting's not on fire and the <laughs> yeah. weather's terrible. It's like, I still get to do this. Yeah. It's, uh, I had only hunted out of state once. I had done snow goose in Arkansas and Missouri before I went to Texas this past spring and did a turkey hunt. And I was there for a couple days and it was hard. I don't know what I was expecting going in. I, I was thinking, okay, we're going to Texas. You know, Texas, Texas is easy. Like this should be easy. Uh, I'd hunted turkeys for two years prior and gotten nothing because turkeys are crazy. Um, <laughs> They're jerks. They really are, and I love it. Um, but it it was me trying to learn how to do it on my own. And so going with a couple of people who really knew their stuff, even though it wasn't guided, it wasn't a ranch that – that you hunted turkeys on. It was just an opportunity. Well, we hunted for five days and I finally got a turkey. (laughs) And the epitome of all of it, the struggle through all of it coming into it um, was worth it, right? The the miles hiked, the the cactus (laughs) in my boots and in my pants and... um, (laughs) had a rattlesnake going between my legs. Like there were some crazy things that we had to overcome. There's a crazy donkey that just wanted to eat us. And uh, I don't, but those are the stories that you come back with and you go, but through all of that, it finally happened. And even if it had not happened, I would have walked away with so much more knowledge. And I think that that's kind of, like you're coming into a hunt to learn. I will never not want to learn. I always want to push myself in a direction of uh, what can I learn from this? What do I not know? Because I want to know it. I will never be the one that says I know everything because I know for certain I don't. Uh, So I'll be the one that goes, okay, can you explain that again? Or can you explain that fully? Because I think I know a little bit about it, but I want to know all about it. Um, I'm the observer. I'm the one that sits back and watches instead of being in the forefront of things. And I think that um, we need more of those people out there. We need a lot of teachers, but we also need a lot of people who are willing to learn. And these hunts uh, allow that. They allow not only the learning, but they allow the relationship and um whether you're a man or a woman you need it so 
Um, 100%. I'm glad I mean, that you said that. Mm-hmm. Two, two things about learning. And first off, it's, it's always a process. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and every successful hunt that I have had came from a failure at one point and then learning through observation and yes. learning that behavior and learning to pattern. Uh, it, it came through failures yeah. and, and learning from those failures. And, and the second thing, you know, I, I can pretty much confidently say that I could go just about anywhere. I mean, I, I, I'm not just a waterfaller. I hunt everything. Yeah. And turkeys, bears, hound hunting, what, whatever. I, I hunt everything. I'm pretty confident that I could go anywhere and eventually get it done. But the first thing I do, even if it's something that I have over and over been successful at with a kill, is if I get into a camp, I find the oldest person there. Usually it's an old timer, you know, that that is in his 60s that's been in that camp every year. And I pick his brain or I find the person that you can just tell has been around or knows the most about the property, the layout, or Mm -hmm. the the local birds, the local deer. And I just pick their brain because (laughs) animals are amazing. When you think you got them figured out, you don't. Yeah. And, And usually that person is the one that's quiet. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I was kind of alluding to that like yeah you kind of look around and be like all right that's the person that's mm-hmm. the person that knows knows everything that i don't yeah it's not the most social person it's the one that does better one-on-one it's the person that's mm-hmm. sitting back observing and you know that those are the people that take it all in and probably know more than anybody else there i agree mm-hmm. with that um I think it's we have a lot to learn from those who have come ahead of us But then we have to turn around. I've always told my daughter, and she said this the other day, she was looking into being a part of a mentor program at school to mentor the kids younger than her. And she had to explain why. And I said, well, why? Why do you want to be a part of this? And she said, well, mom, you've always said that when you learn something, you are taught it. So you are taught something and you learn it, and then you apply it, but then you have to teach it. You have to pass it on. And that is a full circle way of learning because you learn things initially by being taught. But when you apply it, you learn a whole lot more. And then when you teach it to somebody else, it makes it so much bigger than it ever was beforehand. So we are all teachers. We're all learners and we're all doers. We just have to combine it all and and. I think that that's a great way of, like, I can see you doing that. You're passing it on, but you're also continuing to learn. And uh, I, I say kudos to that. So thank you. And thank you for passing it on to those girls in your life. I, it really is impactful to have somebody reach out and say, do you want to be a part of this? It's not, can you be a part of it? It is, do you want to be a part of this? And it, it would have meant the world to me to, for somebody growing up to have said that. So thank you for doing that. No, it, it, it's, I, I think there, I don't want to call it a meme because there wasn't a, it wasn't a meme. It was more of an infographic mm-hmm. and you may have seen it. It was like the evolution of a hunter and there was like six levels and you know, you know, like number one was just being introduced. Two was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of paraphrasing here. Uh, 
more and more interest start to mm-hmm. seek more species and then like three and four were uh what would be classified as trophy you're, you're going for the biggest deer you're gonna pass uh pass up stuff looking yes. for a, 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 and then five and, and up into six is where like it doesn't matter anymore what matters is the hunt the mm-hmm. company the uh, uh the experience and teaching yeah uh, I, do you know what i'm talking about yeah i do, I do. i've seen it yeah yeah um, and and it was interesting when I put it out there, people started being like, I'm at three or I'm at four. And somebody said like, I'm at four, five and six. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. You know, like it, it, you don't have to like pick one thing. I, I have the North American waterfall grand slam on my target list. Mm-hmm. That's number four. But number six is a everyday part of my life you, right. you, you can be it's a, it's a fluid spectrum and once you get up to the top of it that that is the main focus is mm-hmm. is teaching passing on traditions and kind of policing uh our own yeah keeping it accountable but then you set out on a different species and you start right back over at one it, that's the yeah. best part of hunting yeah. <laughs> You can be hunting for decades and start something new. You can go to a different continent. You can try a different species, and all of a sudden, you were at zero. <laughs> so it's oh, we're, we're awesome. talking about turkeys being jerks. You know, they are straight up jerks. And and I have guys that are very accomplished at some other type of hunting. They're like, I don't know if I could ever do that. They just sit in the middle of the road when I drive by. I'm like, all right, come on. We're going to go early season when they're being really, really big jerks. Yes. <laughs> and a little humbling. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're even different. Like the Eastern Turkey over here, I've noticed I have to almost entice them. It, it's more of a purr. It's more of a, a quiet uh, waiting game versus when I was in Texas, they just wanted to be yelled at. And so it's totally different hunting, even under the same species, the different subspecies. And I, it, that's the exciting part to me. There's always something new to learn. And, and it's, so it's funny you say that because <laughs> I've had the complete opposite experience with Easterns and Rios. No way. Rios, yeah. Rios, where I, and I've hunted them a couple places in Texas. If you yelp at them hard, they don't want nothing to do with you. And if here in Wisconsin, when they're, when they're hot and you yelp, it's like on a string. <laughs> no, I had, no, I had Rios in Texas that we were just yelling at, just hammering and, the, I would have hens just bark back at me, angry, angry, angry. And all of a sudden, that last, the last two days, um, we had toms just running at us. Uh, the, the first day my gun exploded. So I, I don't count that as a try on a, a turkey, but they were just running at us, just ready to fight. But I've never had that experience here in Tennessee. I mean, a, a lot of that is where they're at in the breeding cycle, too. Very and, true. And, 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 and this last season, we have week A through F, and you can pretty much draw tags for all of it if mm-hmm. you're willing to drive a little bit. And it was funny that, like, two counties over, I killed two birds in two days, where I'd, it was like a, I didn't shoot a bird for two weeks. <laughs> 
where I live. And mm-hmm. even some of my buddies in Texas are like, you ever going to kill a bird? And then all of a sudden I was like, dude, the, the flip is, or the switch is going to flip mm-hmm. any day now. Mm-hmm. And when it did, it was crazy. Like I, I, I couldn't even do anything wrong. Yeah. It was, you know, the two weeks prior, like, and, and not that I didn't have opportunities. I, I made mistakes. I, I, you know, like I got greedy and I peeked at a bird to my left and here's a Tom just staring at me to my right at 20. <laughs> you know, busted. It, it, yeah. It, but everything went wrong that the two, first, first two weeks and they weren't as responsive. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, like, it was just. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Yeah. And it, it depends, depends on weather. weather. It depends on. Yeah. It depends yep. on everything. And sometimes, honestly, sometimes you just get lucky. And that's all you can say. <laughs> I just got lucky. Um, yeah. Because like you said, you can do everything wrong and something happens great. And you're like, well, it was just meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you let, blow a stalk on something and you're walking back to the truck and something else walks out that's yeah. even bigger. Yeah. Like, oh, that, that just happened. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And you just sit there dumbfounded, like, wow, <laughs> I didn't, uh, yeah, but it's, it, there's, a, there's a lot of stories in uh-huh. my story rooms where I didn't do anything special. It wasn't, mm-hmm. my, you know, my prowess and, and knowledge and experience, just dumb luck. And yeah. it, and I was in the right place at the right time. I love it. Absolutely love it. Ryan, how can people, if they're interested in, um, being a part of the duck hunt that you've been talking about for vets, how can they, um, how can they get a part, become a part of that, or how what, can they be a support crew for that? Um, to 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 be in, involved as a veteran hunter, uh, we do a registration process this year. It's in October again, and it's uh, we're full eighty five uh, vets coming out again this year and okay. next year it'll be posted on uh facebook page page uh Horicon marsh veterans hunt and when that becomes available it literally fills up in two days it's okay. first come first serve online reservations however um for i mean i, I my entire calendar is filled up I'm, I'm i barely ever pull the trigger anymore and mm-hmm. I'm at I'm at level six, you know. Like yeah. it, it's I'm organizing the hunts, uh, I'm filming the hunts, I'm photographing the hunts, and uh, putting on veteran hunts all over the country uh, for, for not just waterfall. But we got two Purple Heart Bear hunters coming in first week of October up here in Wisconsin. Totally stoked about. Um, so I put those out, and there's an application process for that. Okay. Um, because I try to tailor the specific hunt or event to veterans that fit right you know like i'm not going to send a first-time duck hunter to the north atlantic to chase common eiders in yeah. <laughs> november no, in, in I hear you. yeah i'm not gonna do it yeah you know, like it's got to be somebody that's a hardcore duck hunter that has never had that opportunity that lives in oklahoma who is nowhere right. near the coast right and it, you know i have different events that are, are available based on different criteria um and all those will be posted uh for application process on ryan off the grid on Instagram and Facebook, and then they can go see some of uh, the past veteran hunts on my YouTube, which is also under Ryan Off the Grid. Okay, so y'all go follow him, and then you can keep up with all of the signups and registrations and all of that when it happens. Um, Ryan, thank you for your time today. I truly appreciate it. 
I really enjoyed it. Great talk. Time. <laughs>